0: We are in this crazy, crazy series called When Pigs Fly. How many of you have seen a pig fly yet? Anybody? Robbie. If you throw them far enough. Hey, yeah. I mean, it's football season. Pig skin. I don't know if they still use pig skin. I don't think so. Uh, maybe somewhere. Uh, it was a good football day yesterday. Georgia won. Michigan won. That's all I really care about. Kennesaw State won. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I didn't. I didn't catch that. But yeah, unfortunately, Alabama won. Um, you know, I, I won't rip on Alabama too much. Their, their quarterback was great and he got hurt last week. So um, we've been in this series about miracles and about what God can do through the miraculous. So a miracle is something when God's supernatural power impacts our everyday lives, when God comes down and impacts the normal the everyday. That's a miracle. We live with miracles around us all the time. We we were thankful for some miracles today. Thankful for some miracles today. I think we don't see them often enough. Well, we've talked about miracles of deliverance our first week and how God delivers us from evil, how God delivers us out of sin. We have authority and power over The darkness of this world as believers in Christ. If you don't believe in Christ, I'm sorry you don't have that same authority, but as believers in Christ, we have been given authority over this evil world, over darkness. Miracles of healing. We prayed for healing just a few minutes ago. I believe that we serve a God that heals. I believe that we serve a God that supernaturally heals. Sometimes that healing is immediate, sometimes it's over time, but I believe that He heals. And it's not just physical healing, there's emotional healing, there's spiritual healing, there's a God that heals. And last week we talked about a God that protects, miracles of protection. Which was kind of a funny one, I love that if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go back and listen to it. Because God protects us all the way up until the time that He doesn't. Eternity is what's promised to us. But He does protect us. He protects us every day. Times when we get stopped at a red light when we didn't think we should, that, man, something bad could have happened down the road. The times that He's just supernaturally protected our homes and our lives and our children. Do we recognize the miracles that are all around us? That's something I think we need to get a little bit more conscious of And I'm going to talk about the miracle of provision in just a minute. But I want to encourage you. I've been talking a lot about writing things down, and I wish I was better at this, but I would love for you to take it and buy a journal or get a little notepad or whatever that might be. Keep a journal on your phone, whatever that is. And just when you see God do something that's miraculous in your life, or if you see something that you're thankful for that God does in your life, just write it down. Write it down. And then maybe... Maybe it's monthly or maybe it's every couple weeks or maybe it's weekly that you just go back and flip through and take a time and see, oh, hey, this is what God did for me this week. This is what God did this week, man. This is what God did this week. And you'll begin to see the times that God has supernaturally intervened in your life. The problem is we tend to focus on the negative and we tend to focus on the things that we think are going wrong that we miss what God is doing. Generally speaking, there is a whole lot more going right in our lives than there is going wrong, but we tend to focus on the wrong and on those things. Today, again, I said we're going to talk about miracles of provision. Most of us have experienced or are experiencing times of financial need or being tight. I'm raising both hands. I'm not just raising one hand. I'm raising both hands because I understand that season. There have been many times, and I understand more and more, when Paul says, I know what it means to be content with little, or to be in need, and to be content with a lot, or to have plenty. How I many of us would say we, we would like to have plenty more than, than we get sometimes, right? But we've all experienced it, or have it, or are experiencing it. And here's the thing, something I learned a while ago. Remember a few years ago, the the housing crash that happened, and a lot of people lost a lot of money, and and stock market wasn't doing so well. We went into a recession. You know that just because somebody has a six-figure income doesn't mean that they're not tight. Because there may be circumstances and things that you don't know about that have put them into that place. And sometimes just because they live in a home that's a half a million dollars doesn't mean that they're not hurting because maybe they lost their job. Maybe they had some, and you know this is the one that gets most people? Maybe they had some medical bills and some things that popped up. Gosh, we called my dad the million-dollar man. He had so many surgeries and things happen that that if he didn't have the insurance he had, my mom would be still paying for it. I would be paying for it. My grandkids and their great-grandkids would be paying for it, I think. I mean, at one point he had had cancer in his pelvis, and they literally cut him from here all the way around to here. Took out three quarters of his pelvis and put in a metal prosthesis. That's a major surgery. I guarantee you that didn't cost fifteen hundred bucks. It was millions of dollars that they put into that medical bills kids and sports and braces and cars and insurance and all this other stuff. And yes, some of the times we put ourselves in those positions, but the truth is that many of us live in a very tight place. There are countless examples in Scripture of those who feared they didn't have enough. I want to think about that. There are many times in Scripture when they come to a place where they didn't have enough to do what they needed to do. Let me give you an example. Jesus is preaching on the side of a mountain. Got all these people there. What did, this happened more than once. He had, what, 5,000 men. That meant about fifteen to 20,000 people probably. His disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we need to send them to McDonald's because they need to go. We don't have food for them. It's getting late. And Jesus said, well, no, we're going to feed them. Take care of it. So what do we have? Little boy's lunch. Five loaves and two fish. We talk about that story. And they go out and feed all of these people. And it had what? Leftovers. Twelve baskets. I heard somebody say the other day... um, I heard somebody say, you know, they, they believed that the 12 baskets were for one of each of the disciples to have a doggy bag to be reminded of what God did for them. I thought that was kind of a funny illustration. God always, always, always provides for the needs when he's called us to do things. In every story of need, there is a miracle of provision. I think that's in your notes. In every story of need, there's a miracle of provision. God is our provider. So we had the thousands of people. There's multiple food left over. If you remember when we did our Elisha series a little while back last uh, last month, remember I talked about provision a little bit in there. Remember the lady, the widow, the lady that was that was the widow. Her and her husband had taken care of the prophets, and she was trying to take care of her kids. And what did it say? She didn't have anything except some oil. So what Elisha tell her to do, go gather up all those jars. Get all those jars together and then do what? Pour, it into the, pour the oil she had into those jars. And she ended up having enough to pay off all of her debt and keep her kids from going into slavery, because that's kind of how you got into slavery. There was a debt, so you sold your children to pay for that debt. They would take your children. Actually, you didn't sell them. They just took your kids as slaves. They might take you as a slave. She was able to pay off all the debt and live the rest of her life on the provision that God gave for that moment. The oil just kept flowing as long as she had containers. Think about the children of Israel. They come up out of slavery. They're wandering around in the wilderness. The whiners, I mean, the wanderers, and they were whiners, said, God, did you bring us out here to die? What are we going to do? So what did he do? He sent manna from heaven. Manna from heaven. No, it wasn't a Panera bread in heaven dropping down. It was manna. I don't know what manna looked like. I don't know what it tastes like. They said it was kind of like a bread, like a wafer. You know what he did? He provided only enough for that day, didn't he? Actually, he told them, don't gather it, because what you gathered did what? It just spoiled. They couldn't keep it. It was just enough for that day. And then eventually he sent ravens as meat, because they complained about the manna. Think about this. This is a different kind of provision that God did. Think about this guy that's running from God, and he gets on a boat. He's going to go to Tarshish, get away from God. When God called him to Nineveh, and storm comes, what do they do? They toss him over the boat because he said, "Look, it's because of me." What did God provide for him? A big fish, a whale, whatever you want to call it, to get him where he needed to go. That's provision. Jonah would be at the bottom of the sea if it wasn't for that, for God's provision. Sometimes God's provision stinks. I think the middle of a whale would stink. But God will always provide for what we need. I'll tell you a funny little story. There's a single woman, single mom, always struggled to make ends meet, and she would pray out loud every day, God, meet my needs. She was a deep, devoted follower of God, and she'd pray every day, God, meet my needs. Jesus, just meet my needs. And her neighbor would hear her because she'd pray loud, boisterous. Neighbor was an atheist, hated God, had some chip on his shoulder with God. He was mad and he was just grumpy and didn't like it. And every time she would pray every day, God, meet my needs. Jesus, meet my needs. He got frustrated. So one day he thought he would just play a joke on her. And he goes to the store, goes to Kroger and buys her all these groceries And then puts him on her front step. And she comes home and says, oh, thank you, Jesus, for providing for me. And he jumps out and says, no, that wasn't God. God isn't real. I bought those groceries for you. I bought those for you. And then she stopped even louder and said, thank you, Jesus, for buying me groceries and making the devil pay for them. You laugh, but he does it. God owns all things. Even if we're not obedient to Him, this earth is His. I know that's a funny story, but it shows how often God's provision comes in unique ways. God provides for us. Think about it. I know these are running around in your head a little bit. What are some times that God has provided for you and what are some of those unique ways that God has provided for you? Man, I can remember, I love stories. Listen, I've shared this one a lot of times. There's many stories in our, in our marriage that God has provided just through crazy things. But I just, I, this one wasn't so much a crazy thing. But I remember when my dad, I told you my dad had that surgery, and it was up in the University of Michigan. And I drove up there. At that time, we were youth pastoring and children's pastoring in lower Alabama, Enterprise, Alabama, this Michigan boy was in lower Alabama. The, the, the girl that grew up in Alpharetta, Georgia was in lower Alabama. We were out of our element. But we had, I'd went 15 hours up to Michigan to be there with my dad um, after his surgery. Spend some time with him. And on my way back home in my Pontiac 6000, love that car, and I'm driving through Nashville and it's about dusk, you know, about 5, 6 o'clock at night. You know when it's starting to get dark? So, One thing I noticed as it was getting dark, the lights on my dashboard were getting dimmer. You know, that's not supposed to happen, right? Now, I realize you turn the lights on, it goes a little bit dim because I don't want them to be bright in your eyes, but that wasn't this. So everything's starting to dim, and I grew up around cars enough to realize that, man, I think my alternator's out. And I had heard something in Ohio, you may be like me, I don't know, um, I I tend to push things a little bit too far, but I heard a weird noise when I was in Ohio. Car made a weird noise for about two minutes and the noise went away and the car kept going. So I kept going. I don't like to stop. Well, that was my alternator. (laughs) And it made it from wherever I was in Ohio to just the north side of Nashville. It just starts getting dim. And and eventually I'm like, I'm not going to make it. So I, I pull off and um, I'm not even sure if we had a cell phone yet. I know we got our first cell phone, and yeah, we did. We got it in Enterprise, Alabama. I think it was a brick, that Motorola brick that they used to have. So I called Jennifer and said, man, I, the alternator's going out, and I pulled off into a, a truck stop, and it was um, it was a Sunday, or no, it was a Saturday, because I was supposed to be back for Sunday, and it was late, and nobody, the shops weren't open, and I pulled into a a truck stop gas station area and they said hey we don't have anybody here that can fix it um, we called around and there was a alternator at a, like an action auto parts or something like that but they were closing so i had to get a hotel so i got a hotel room right there i'm thinking no way my car is going to start in the morning no way I've, I've killed this thing so i stopped at the rest area started my car drove over to the motel six or whatever it was it was not a nice hotel Stayed in the hotel, got up the next morning, drove into Franklin, Tennessee, went to the Action Auto, couldn't believe my car started. I even stopped in testing. Man, I'm testing this. I stopped at like a hearties and got breakfast, started the car and went over and went there. Uh, they were gracious enough to give me the tools and got all the tools, got everything together, got the car together. I missed Sunday morning service, made it back for that night. I got back at the end of service that night. And in that service, they took up an offering for us to help with some of the expenses of that trip. And the offering they took up almost to the penny was exactly how much my hotel bill and alternator was for that. That's pretty cool. That's provision. God has a way of providing. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God is the giver of all good things, and He gives abundantly. God wants to meet your need. But here's the thing. This is what I want you to get. He doesn't meet all our wants. He doesn't meet all our wants. See, so there's a difference between need and want. We've talked about this before. We have need of certain things, but we want certain things. We have a need of food, but we want that bacon filet, wrapped filet mignon. That might cost you 100 bucks if you go to Ruth Chris. We may need... New clothes, but we want the latest fashion, the newest designs. We may need a new car. We might want that Corvette. I know that's Jennifer's dream. She hates Corvettes. may want that new shiny car, but God gives you the opportunity to buy something else. See, our need is one thing. Our wants are something different. You might need some rest, but you might want to do it on the French Riviera. I don't know. What's your, I I like mountains, I like cruises. Whatever that may be, there's a difference between what we need and what we want. God provides promises to provide for our needs, and he does it abundantly. Many times there's leftovers, just like the 12 baskets but he doesn't provide for all our wants. And here's where we get frustrated. We get confused between the want and the need, and we say, well, God didn't answer my prayer because he didn't give me what I wanted or what we thought we needed. Remember, God sees that bigger picture. So what we thought we needed wasn't really what we needed. What he gave us was what we really needed because he'll always do that. So there's three things, that, three principles I want to take out of this today. I won't go too long into it. But God, the first one is when God guides, He always provides. That kind of rhymes, doesn't it? When God guides, He always provides. Isaiah 58:11 says, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. What that means is, hey, when the Lord's guiding you, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, He's going to provide what you need. Starting this church, we haven't always had abundance, but we've always had what we've needed. Actually, we've had way more than what we needed. We've had way, way more than what we've needed. God always always provides when he guides us he calls us to do things he'll provide for that so we have to he doesn't understand you have to understand this he doesn't provide for our dreams he doesn't respond to our ambitions he simply provides for his will do you get the difference it's not our dreams and our ambitions it's following his will when we follow Christ, he will provide what we need when we need it. Sometimes we get those things confused. Have you ever, have you ever had this happen? Have you ever got like, maybe it was income tax, and, and maybe you're one of those that gets an income tax return, and you know, maybe it was a good income tax return, you're like pretty excited. What do you do when you get that income tax return? You sit there and think of all the ways that you can do all these different things with it, Right? It might be pay off debt. It might be do X, Y, and Z. It might be a new vacation. It might be a new car. Might, you can put whatever you want into that category, but maybe you got some extra money, or maybe through an unfortunate circumstance, maybe somebody passed away and you were left some money. Whatever that may be, you got a sum of money that was not expected. You make plans for it, don't you? And then all of a sudden, your car breaks down. And it takes almost every dime of what you were given to pay for that car breaking down. What happens? You get frustrated, don't you? You get discouraged because you're like, oh, I had all these plans for this. And then my car breaks. And I mean, I, can't, I hate this piece of junk. And I had to put all this money into it. And you get bitter and you get discouraged and you blame God. When God provided for you before it was ever needed so that you had that money so you didn't have to put it on credit, you didn't have to do anything else, and he took care of your car before you knew you even needed to be taken care of. It's perspective, isn't it? Because our wants and our dreams, we get them up here and we want those things and we get frustrated when they don't happen. And sometimes God allows us to have those wants and dreams. He's not against those things. I don't want you to get, oh, God's against my dreams and all those things. He just never promised to provide for all those things. There's a difference. Man, God's allowed our family to do things that we never thought were possible. Go places and do things. I always wanted to travel. My family didn't travel much. We made the, you know, the Midwest, the Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. That was about it. Took one trip to North Carolina when I was a kid. And one trip to Boston when I was a kid, and that was only because my brother was getting married. That's it. We didn't travel. And since I've been in ministry, I've seen almost the entire United States and several places outside the United States because God's provided opportunities. Those are dreams of mine that God provided for that I didn't even know that he would do. So I'm not going to say that God doesn't provide for some of those things, but he always provides for our needs according to His will. Sometimes there's an abundance that allows us to do more than we thought possible. God always provides. It doesn't mean that his provisions to get out of free jail for our stupid uh, decisions. If we made a lot of stupid decisions with our finances, it doesn't mean that he's going to just wipe those out in one fail swoop. He can, but he usually doesn't. Now, He's a good God, and He'll often help us get out of there quicker because we're being obedient. The good news is that when God directs you, He provides for you. I'm going to share a story, one of my favorite stories out of the Old Testament. A guy by the name of Abraham. You guys remember Abraham? Abraham and Sarah. God gave them a promise that they would have a son. And not only that promise, but that that son, that, that Abraham would be the father of nations. Now think about this. they said God told Abraham he was going to have a son. Do you know how old Abraham was when he had that son? They were in their 90s. None of, none of you in here are in your 90s. Some of you are in your 60s and 50s and like us in our 40s and go on down. I'm 47. I don't want to have any more kids at this point. I'm good with the three that I have. I'm ready to take grandkids and mess them up and then send them back home. But how many of you that are in your 60s weren't ready to have another child? I don't think so. Abraham was 90. Now here's the crazy thing. Is the God told Abraham to do what in Genesis 22, and if you want to flip there, it's a, it's a long passage. I couldn't put it all in in the notes. It's too long. But Abraham called out to, or God called out to Abraham and said, hey, I need you to go and uh, sacrifice Isaac on the mountain I tell you to go to. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But in verse 3, it says, The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took his two servants with him and along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. Now listen to this. I want you to hear this. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. I love that we. Now, he's supposed to go up and sacrifice his son, but he said, we will be right back. So Abraham placed, or, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, and he, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Verse 7, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father... Yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire, we have the wood, the boy said. Where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I know my kids, it'd be a wrestling match to tie them up. I don't know, but just, just thinking about trying to envision this. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God for you. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. They, then Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught, a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. That's what happens when you hit the thing. In place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh-Yirah or Jehovah-Jirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You might be thinking that that's a funny story to talk about provision. But Abraham was living his life fixed on the will of God. Most of us live our lives fixed on what we lack or what we don't have. Well, I can't do that, God, because I don't have this. Well, God, I can't go talk to them about Scripture because I'm not a preacher. I'm not trained. God, I can't go and buy Christmas presents for families that are in need because I don't have this. God, I can't serve at a food pantry because... I just don't have the skill. I don't, I'm not good with people. We get focused on what we lack. Abraham was focused on the will of God, and God provided Jehovah Jireh, the provider. I have a book of the names of God. It's huge. And the Old Testament was rich with these different names that they used for God because they really, they didn't say Yahweh. Actually, they even took the, the, the vowels out. And only wrote it in constants because they, they would not even speak the name of God. And they had all these different names that they used for him that described his character. God always provides. I remember a few years ago, and I think the best way to illustrate these things are with, with stories. I know I talk a lot about the food pantry that we do. I want to give you a little bit of the origin of this. We, it came out of uh, myself and the pastor at Influencers Church. we were chaplains for the police department, and God gave us a burden to reach out to a part of Kennesaw that was struggling. And at the time, we were going to Budgetel, extended stay up the road. We focused on, well, we focused on Budgetel as a big need, and we went and did a big back-to-school event. And then God spoke to me and, and told me, hey, I don't like churches do one and done where you just go do a big event and then you walk away and you don't ever do anything follow up. He said, I want you to feed that extended stay for Thanksgiving or small church. All I could focus on at that point would be like, well, God, how am I supposed to feed or how are we supposed to feed 110 rooms for Thanksgiving? That's not 110 people, that's 110 rooms. At that point, there was a single mom that had eight kids living in one of the rooms. You guys remember that? That was a long time ago. So he gave us this vision, and, and I sat down with a, a leader in the community, and we were kind of talking through those things, and he kind of helped us flesh some of that stuff out. And we, we went through, and, and we followed through with the vision, and we talked to Costco and got chickens for, for everybody. And instead of turkeys, we, we smoked chickens. And that was an amazing event. If you if you ever taken and cleaned and brined all those chickens, we ended up having to buy a steam cleaner because we just got chicken juice all over bounce used carpet and everything else. It was an experience, and you know, kind of funny. But we smoked chickens, and we had this bag because we we were doing it on Thanksgiving Day. But they didn't have ovens, and so we got it down to a bag. We had pumpkin pie. We had canned corn, canned green beans. We wanted them to have some ownership of this meal. We weren't just providing them a meal to eat. We were giving them the ability to make a Thanksgiving meal. So there was canned corn and canned green beans. And we got California Dreaming gave us an incredible price on mashed potatoes. I think it cost us $35 for all the mashed potatoes that we got for that. And they had great mashed potatoes. And so we had all of this food, and we were giving it out on Thanksgiving. But here, it was going to be about $3,000 to do this. We did not have $3,000 in the budget. Actually, we took up an offer, and came up with about $1,000. So I went to my friend, and I said, hey, you've helped us plan this event. Would you mind donating to it? Somebody that could have wrote the check. Did something really, really cool. He sent out an email to his friends and said, look, hey, my friends are going to be feeding this budget till extended stay for Thanksgiving. I'm going to sponsor two families, again, about 20 $22 was really what it was, but he said, I'm going to give $50 to this. How much can you guys do? Within two days, we raised more than $2,000 on top of the 1000 that we already had. God provided. But we took the effort. We took the steps to go forward. We were making the steps to make that happen. God provided what we needed. That was the birth of what we now do with Forever Fed. It started with a step of faith. Feeding 60 families a month, that's not something we have the ability to do, but God has blessed us and provided through ministries like Forever Fed, sending us volunteers that are beyond what even we have. God uses this community to do His work all the time. God always provides when we follow His will. If we got hung up with, well, we don't have enough volunteers to do that. We don't have enough money to do that. How are we going to do? If we just focused on the negative, we would never do what God's called us to do. When God guides, He always provides. Second thing, I'm going to go quickly so I can get you out of here before the outreach today, or maybe we'll just open up the doors and just have everybody come in. So God miraculously multiplies what is given. God's math is amazing. He created math. He does things that are bigger. God multiplies what was given. Sometimes God does it all, like when he sent the fish for Jonah or when he sent the manna from heaven, God did everything there. But sometimes God wants to build our faith and he invites us to be a part of the miracle. We talked about that in the Elisha series. Have you guys got this yet, that God keeps talking to us about supernatural things? He wants us to live in a supernatural world, understand that he can do things beyond what we can naturally do. He's been speaking this to us for months now. What does he do? He asks you to give and then he multiplies what you give. And that's not always money. That might be time. That might be resources. It might be whatever. But he asks us to be a part of that miracle. He asks us to be a part of what's going on. Just like with the widow's oil, she gave the oil, he multiplied it. One jar of oil doesn't fill hundreds of jars on its own. I've tried it, I got home, took the olive oil, it just, it stopped. Five loaves and two fish doesn't feed 15,000 people and have a leftover. God's math doesn't make sense in that way. But it's beyond what we can understand. Abraham offered his first son to God and became the father of nations. So said that if you kept reading in, that, in Genesis 22, it said that your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore or like the stars in the sky. Too numerous to count. Or we get the song, Father Abraham. You can sit there and sing it, and you get the little marching thing to it. See, this is not a prosperity doctrine. Some of you guys may have heard prosperity preachers. Man, if you just give $100 today, there's going to be a $10,000 check in your bank account next week. Man, I hate that. I hate it when we sow false doctrine. Yes, God can do that. And He does multiply what we've given. But it's not if you give $100 today, you're getting $10,000 next month. We don't give to get. If we give with the wrong motives... We're probably going to have less than when we started with because we're just giving it away. We can give it to the, might as well give it to Best Buy. I don't know. Whoever you want to give it to. But when we give out of the right place in our heart, when we give because it's worship, when we give because we want to be a part of what God's doing because He's called us to give. There's a principle that's at work here. God multiplies what's been given. 2 Corinthians nine ten. It should be in your notes. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide an increase. He will provide an increase your resources and then provide a great harvest of generosity in you. Some of the most amazing people that I've ever known are some of the most generous people that I've ever known. And I've seen God bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them. Man, there was a family when we were youth pastor in Florida that every time I went on vacation, he would give me a holy handshake. And if you know what that is, that's a handshake that usually has money in it. So every time I went on vacation, there'd be like a handshake. And it'd be anywhere from two to five hundred dollars. Say, hey, have a great time on vacation. This was not a wealthy family. But they were so generous and sowed so much. God did great things in their lives. Some of my favorite people in the world, not just because of what they did for us in that sense, but because of who they were in following Christ. They got that principle of generosity and giving. God is supplying for our needs and then some. God does it all the time. This principle goes all the way back to the tithe. And no, yes, you can find the tithe in the Levitical law. But tithe goes all the way back to Abraham. You know, Abraham was the first person to tithe. He gave a 10% to God. He gave a tithe to God. He was going to offer his son. At that point, that was everything. You know, the tithe is the only place in the Bible where God challenges us to test him. The only place I've ever found. See, a tithe is returning 10% back to God. That's where it comes. The tithe comes from that. Scripture says it belongs to him. Actually, he has everything he, he provides for us, and we're giving a tenth back, back. It's part of our worship. It's part of our joy. It's the only place where God tests us. Malachi 3.10. You've probably heard this scripture before. Maybe not. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that you will have enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Put me to the test. This is that difficult part. We need to honor God with our tithe. The first fruits. That first portion of what we've been given. And I'll admit that's been hard for me at times. And it's not just our finances, this is the first of who we are, our lives. We're offering them the best of who we are. That's what this tithe is about. What God does God need our ten percent? No, God has everything. What God needs is our willing obedience to hold nothing back from him. Remember, with Abraham, it wasn't that he needed Isaac to be sacrificed, it's God needed to know that Abraham would hold nothing back from him. See, God takes that seed of our tithe and then he multiplies it. And everything that we give to God, he multiplies it. Whatever we sow never comes back void. God multiplies what we're given. So God always provides or guides if when God provides or guides, he provides. Man, I can't say that now. God miraculously multiplies what's given. I'm going to wrap up with this. You might be a part of God's miracle of provision. You might be a part of God's miracle of provision. Second Corinthians nine eleven. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. You know, we're a part of the Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God is a movement. It's not technically a denomination, although we operate like one. It's a cooperative fellowship. It was a group of pastors that came together in the early 1900s to say, you know what, we want to spread the gospel around the world. We could do that better if we came together and sent missionaries out. Let's come together. All of us churches, let's come together so that we can send missionaries all over the world preaching the gospel, because that was the great commission to send the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's fulfilling what God's called us to do. So when we give to missions, not, that's, that's not just our tithe. Our tithe comes in to take care of the needs of the church, and that's what happens with it. We pay our bills. We do all those things with the tithe. We give the tithe out of our obedience to God. When we give it above and beyond our tithe and the missions and the special projects and things, God will use that to impact many other lives. He does it with our tithe as well. But this goes even further. When we give the missions, I'm going to tell you something. We're behind on our missions giving right now as a church because we haven't had enough come in. Our missionaries rely on us. When we give to missions, when we give that above and beyond, we're impacting people that we'll never meet. So when we give, we might be a part of God's provision. that's part of missions, that's a lot of different things. Some of you have been generous to other people in the church, some of you have been generous to us at times when we've had needs. Man, when our air conditioner went out this year, you guys rallied around us and we were able to get our air conditioner fixed. That's provision through you to meet needs that we had. Man, I couldn't be more thankful. several years ago we haven't done this since we've been doing the food pantry but several years ago we used to do a thing called blessing bags and something that god had laid on my heart we didn't have an outreach program but we would buy we'd have everybody would give some money and i'd go to the store and i'd buy groceries for a family about 25 dollars a bag it seems 25 dollars seemed to be the, the going rate about $25 a bag. We had a little card in there just said, hey, this is a blessing to you. We didn't, I don't even think we had the church name on it. I think we just had some scripture and just said we wanted to be a blessing. And we would line the bags up at the front of the altar and, had, and we'd pray over those bags and then everybody would just take a bag and they weren't supposed to give that bag to anybody until God led them to give it to somebody. It would be a blessing. It was all about praying and being led of God to give a need to a need. It had simple things in it like Pasta and spaghetti sauce and whatever we could pick up for that 25 bucks. It wasn't really about the amount. It wasn't going to change anybody's life as far as being like supplying their need for a month. But it was just to let them know that God loved them. Well, there's a lady in our church. She since went to move to Ohio. She had taken the bag and had been sitting in her car and had been sitting in her car for a couple weeks and she was getting kind of frustrated. She's like, God, who am I supposed to give this to? And she was at the laundromat because her washer and dryer had broken. And so she's sitting at the laundromat and she sees this, this lady there with, uh, with some kids and she's driving, the lady's driving like a almost brand new car, really nice car, but she's at the laundromat, she sees the kids and they're, they're eating some pizza from Little Caesars. And uh, the lady's name is Becky and said, God spoke to Becky and said, I give that bag to them. And she's like, well, why do they need it? Get got a brand new car. They're eating pizza right now. Why would I give it to them? God said, give it to them. And so Becky walks over and she gives the, said, I've had this sit in my car and felt like the Lord wanted me to give this to you. And the single mom broke down crying. I don't remember all the details. It's been a few years ago now. But I know that lady had lost her job I know she didn't have any money. She was scraping together the last bit of money she had to buy that $5 pizza to feed her kids. And that bag gave her hope. And that bag let her know that God cared about her. So your generosity, your gift will impact others. Fear asks us, what if I run out? Faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, my God is more than enough. Fear says, I can't afford to tithe. Faith says, 90% 90 with God's blessing goes further than 100% without it. God will meet every need according to His riches and glory. God is the God of miracles, and He provides. He's called all of us. We are His children. He will provide for us. You guys are awesome with giving. You guys are awesome with giving. If you're not somebody that tithes, I want to challenge you. God says, test me on this. Tithe. want to challenge you to go even a little bit further. Maybe step beyond the tithe and begin to offer a little bit extra to God. One of our goals this year is to get to where we're given 20%. We give 20% of what we have to God. Mark Batterson, I reference him a lot. He's very open about that one of his goals is to give 90% and to live off of 10. God's using his books and using different things to help him to get there. I don't know what percentage he's at. I know he's, by, he's way past 10. What would it look like if maybe you gave your tithe an, an extra 10 bucks for missions or helped by adopting one of our missionaries. We support our missionaries everywhere between $25 a month to $100 a month. What would it look like to be a little bit more generous in your giving, to sow a little bit more seed something we need to pray about god calls us to be faithful and i've watched some of you give i don't know who gives how much or whatever i really don't look at it i don't count the offering i get an email that says how much it was and it goes off to a finance office totally third party that pays our bills and takes care of all that stuff i don't know who gives what I do want to say thankful, thank you to those that have been faithful in giving. But I want to challenge you to be faithful. I want to challenge you to test God in this. Man, I want to challenge you to go even further in that. This isn't because the church needs your money. This is because I want to see God bless you and I want to see His provision go further. instead of five loaves and two fish, what if we gave six loaves and three fish this time? I don't know. I believe God is our provider. So as we close today, offering baskets are on your table. You've got that. I'm going to close with a prayer. Over you. I'm going to pray that God will provide everything that you need going to pray that God will lay on your heart a burden to write down the things that he's done in your life the things that he's provided for you maybe it's a job maybe it's a vehicle whatever those things maybe we shouted some things out earlier today then I'm going to pray that God will ignite in you a spirit of generosity like you've never had before and I know for some of you you guys are some really generous people know God's been challenging me in this. And this may just be for me today. And thank you for joining me in the journey. But I want to see God bless you and pour out of you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm so thankful thankful for all that you've done for us, for all that you do in our lives, for what you've done in our church. Lord, I'm thankful that in just a few hours we'll see families get fed because of a ministry that you've put together called Forever Fed. I pray your blessings upon Forever Fed, but I thank you for connecting us to them. And Lord, I thank you that we can give our time to you, that we can give our time so that others can be fed so that others' needs could be met. And Lord, I pray that that would go further than we could imagine. Lord, I thank you for those of us that have been giving faithfully. And Lord, I pray that you give us a passion to be generous. I pray that you give us a passion to give. And Lord, I I hold true and firm to your word that says if we give, you will bless and that you will provide. Lord, I don't want to just give finances. I want to give you everything. I want to give you my life. You have it. It's yours. And Lord, I pray that that you would remove fear, that you would remove doubt, and that you would help us to live holding on to you, trusting you, knowing that you're going to provide everything that we need. Not to live in fear and say, I don't have enough. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not going to have. I'm not going to have. But to live with, okay, God, what do you need me to do? Here's what I have. Lord, we praise you through all these things. Lord, I pray that you take our tithes and offering today. And I pray that you do what you've done so many times in Scripture and so many times in our lives, that you multiply it, that you use it for your glory. Oh, we've shared a ton of stories on your provision. And I believe that's the tip of the iceberg. I believe we don't even we haven't even scratched the surface of all that you provide for us. I pray that your hand of blessing be upon each person that's here today. Lord, I pray right now that you would drop a number into their heads. Whether that's a percentage or an actual number, or maybe it's just an ability that you want them to give. Lord, I pray that you would lay that on their hearts right now. That they would scribble it down, tuck it away somewhere, that they will be reminded. Lord, Your Word tells us You love a cheerful giver. Your Word tells us that You bless those who give and worship. And Lord, I thank You for what You're doing in and through us. Go before us this week. Help us to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray that we recognize You in all these things. In Jesus' mighty name.